Pigweed here from Beer and Conversation with Pigweed and Crow Hill. Today we review an IPA and discuss Sherlock Holmes. Hello and welcome to Beer and Conversation with Pigweed and Crow Hill. Good evening, Crow Hill. Good evening, Pigweed. What's on your mind? Well, this little passage has been haunting me uh, recently. Let's hear this it. Is, uh, this is Watson talking. I sprang to my feet, my inert hand grasping my pistol, my mind paralyzed by the dreadful shape which had sprung out upon us from the shadows of the fog. A hound it was, an enormous coal-black hound, but not such a hound as mortal eyes have ever seen. Fire burst from his open mouth. Its eyes glowed with a smoldering glare. Its muzzles and hackles and dewlap were outlined in flickering flame. Never in the delirious dream of a disordered brain could anything more savage, more appalling, more hellish be conceived than that dark form and savage face which broke out upon us out of the wall of fog. Wow, now that is a scary hound. <laughs> I suppose we're going to be talking about the hound. The hound, the hound, the hound, the famous hound that terrorized the Baskerville family. For, okay, uh, then. And this is... Uh, so, what do we got here? So, I was uh, down in southern Maryland, went to uh, a little brewery, one of those ones that just sits back in an industrial park, you know, but they had picnic tables and music and, and uh, German tacos. And, uh, uh, what are German tacos? I don't know. There was a taco, taco truck, and it, it said uh, Deutschmix. So, I don't know. I don't know. There's like that's like Tex-Mex, but it's German. Yeah, like like bratwurst burritos or something like that. I don't know. Anyway, they uh, so we had some so uh, had some beers and uh, I brought home a six. Is, is Mully's is the yeah, name I of the like brewery, Mully's, yeah. and Mully's is uh, this is their namesake IPA. And they're they're local, so we're yep. This is Calvert County. I like drinking our local uh, beers. Hmm. Wow! Right off the bat, you get a good hop aroma there, don't you? Mm. Kind of a, kind of a sharp sort of a. And hop I, so I, uh, uh, the hops are amazing on this beer. So I did some invest because so the guy pouring the beers he didn't know anything, but he did find out for me. Mm -hmm. uh, Citra and mosaic. I'm getting a little bit of that uh, oily, yes. resiny sort of flavor. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, there's no clean finish here. That's no. it. Uh, it uh, it uh, lingers on your tongue, doesn't mm -hmm. it? Mm -hmm. I, I just, I just, I don't know. I don't know if it's. A hop combination, or if it was something in the brew process, but uh, yeah, I like really, that. It, it's got a lot of mouthfeel. It's got it does have that that resiny, sticky flavor to and it. And I, you know, I don't really care to do, especially in the size batch I do. I don't do, do any more than two hops mm -hmm. at a time, anyway. So sometimes they're like, "Oh, it's got these five hops." I'm like, well, I'm not going to do that and match that. So, but here's a two a two banger here. It's, it's maybe in our uh, pale ale challenge. Okay. We'll do a mosaic and citra. Yeah. I think it's a okay. great combination. The cat of the Baskervilles is attacking us behind the scenes here. Jesus <laughs> <laughs> okay. All so, right. So this is part of a, part of a series. Yes. This is it's a, it's sort of not doesn't apply very well here because usually we do a shortcut to the classics, which means we take a short work that is representative of the longer works. But when it comes to Sherlock Holmes. Most of the works are short works. They, they are. So I said the redefinition is uh, uh, short works by classic writers or short 
works that are classics in themselves. Something like that. Okay. <laughs> I mean, like, well, like Jack, we'll make like, the definition. First. Like Jack London, you know, he doesn't write long stuff. That's right. Yeah. Camus, the stranger. Yeah. Not, I mean, not it's not long. that Sartre writes long fiction right. or anything. So it's not. So anyway, yeah, among, it's still a among the canon of uh, Sherlock Holmes stuff, there's only a few novels, and then the, most of it is short stories that were written. And in so this was about a hundred pages in in my, in my version. Uh, is that, is well, that my, long mine, or, is, mine is like a family Bible version, and uh, it's, 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 got, it's long or short by by uh, it's, it's, Sherlock Holmes standards. It's long. Yeah. Okay, really? So there yeah. are there are a lot of them that are fifty pages, or uh, well, of, I guess the the novels. You know, you've got you got Studying Scarlet, you've got The Valley of Fear, you've got well, Hound, of, the Hound of the Baskervilles, and uh, what's the fourth one? Sign of the Four. Yeah, Sign of the Four. And then but the rest no, of them P, are no, no P and C shortcut to the classics is complete without our resident uh, literary contributor Longinus. Longinus, Longinus, are you here? There he is. He was, in, he was in the back. In the back. Way oh, in the way in the, the back. back. Yeah, the, I don't why. Why didn't they mean, save him a seat in the front row? Longinus, you should have sat up front. Uh, yeah. All right. Good evening, Longinus. Have you give me give me give me a cheers? All right. Hang on. There we go. Cheers. All right. All right. All righty then. So, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Conan Doyle. She stuck another name in there. I did. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, he's got one extra name in there. Sir Arthur Ignatius Conan Doyle. Okay. Born in eighteen fifty-nine, died nineteen thirty. Uh, mostly known, almost primarily known for the Sherlock Holmes series, yes. and those went on for about thirty years. And uh, and apparently, he didn't like them. Oh, come on. And the story is that he kept trying to kill off Sherlock Holmes. He got sick of writing them. But the publisher and the public, well, because of the public, kept loved him and wanted more stories. The publisher kept coming back to him and saying, I need more, I need more. Right. So, I mean, he famously killed off Holmes in, uh, Moriarty killed him. Uh, but he then it turns out that he wasn't dead. Uh, <laughs> that, that he, you know, tricked to death and came back. Okay. So, um. There was a whole bunch of short stories that were published in the Strand magazine or something like that, and then these these longer novels. And I started reading Sherlock Holmes when I was in I think it was fifth grade, mm -hmm. and wow. had a had a this little collection, cool little collection of the books. And then I got this this great big family Bible size complete Sherlock Holmes that has, has held together with plastic tape. Yeah, with tape and spit else. and everything else. Yep. How famous is this? I mean, it's 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 a name that everybody everybody knows now. Everybody basketball. knows the name. There's so. there are movies right. uh, based on this story, and I yeah, I think you'd be hard pressed to find somebody who is not aware of at least the phrase "the Hound of the Basketball." Yes, yeah. yes, right, it, right. It has a ring to it, even if you don't know it's associated with Sherlock Holmes or whatever. It's just out in public culture, yes. popular culture, and. Uh, uh, all right, what do you want to do? Let's just do a quick do a quick summary or start. The top. I was I was going to I was going to say something about the dedication. Okay. What do you got? And dedication I'm, wise. I put my uh, glasses on. It says, uh, "My dear Robinson, it was your account of a West Country legend which first suggested the idea of this little tale to my mind. For this and for the help which you gave me in its evolution, all thanks. Yours truly, A. Conan Doyle." But the legend was okay. So there was a, a lot older. So it's based Maybe. on a, an actual legend. That's interesting. Okay, fine. And that he was just given did. to Conan Doyle by a Mr. Robinson. And he okay. said, 
I can make a story out of that. <laughs> that's got some bones to it. So one thing about the Hound of the Baskervilles that's different from a lot, there's not a whole lot of Baker Street in it. There's a little bit of Baker Street. Yeah. But you, know, you, you associate Sherlock Holmes with 221B Baker Street and Holmes and Watson in their, in their place and Mrs. Hudson and all that. And it starts off with them being consulted by Dr. Mortimer, uh -huh. who's coming in to find out whether he should bring Henry Baskerville, the, the heir of, um, of the family estate, whether he should actually take him out to the Baskerville estate because he's scared for his life. Because right. Dr. Mortimer believes this legend of the hound that's been oppressing the family for all this time. And then it turns out... So they under, read the story, they read the, the, the legend of the hound because... So, because Henry Baskerville is from is from Canada, right? Who's come because of what? Because of the death of uh, the previous Baskerville, right? Yeah, Charles. Charles. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and Mortimer, it turns out in the course so of he's, their so he's going to inherit this grand estate yeah. and some real cash. And and it turns out as as under Holmes's questioning that Doctor Mortimer knows a few things about the death of Sir of Sir Charles that didn't come out in the official investigation, specifically that he saw the footprint of a large hound near near where the body was discovered. Right, which, uh, which goes to the original hound story. Uh, Longinus, what was the original hound story? And, and, and it's several generations back, right? right? Yeah. But it's a story that's been in the family name, and uh, it was Hugo, right? It was Hugo, and I guess Hugo was not a very nice person. He, he was, was no. He was a hellraiser. Uh, yeah. Hellraiser, and he, that was the, sort of the the creation of the hounds was was his thing. And wasn't he also torturing women in the in, well? In the he, wards? Yeah, he, he, he captured this woman and took her into his house, and they had a big party in the basement. And the poor woman's upstairs wondering what's going to happen to me, and. Runs They're away. getting hammered. Yeah, right. She escapes. They chase after her on horseback. Yeah. And, and they loose the hounds on her. They loose the, the yeah yeah the, right the, the, the reg regular regular dogs yeah. regular <laughs> fox hunting dogs <laughs> right. Uh, and then and once they reach is. this spooky area of the moor, uh, something right takes out Hugo and rips right. his throat out. Yeah. And that that becomes the legend of the Hound of the Baskervilles, and then supposedly it is haunted the family ever since. And that was, that, uh, according to the manuscript, which was written in the early 18th century, so this would have been well over 150 years old. Yeah, yeah. right. So it's, right, it seems like it's like three so or four for generations old. And so, right, so Charles dies. 1730, 1742, chapter 2. When Charles dies, dies. No, that that's that that's the date of the manuscript, the Hugo man yes. the basketball manuscript. Yes, right. Yeah, yes. Seventeen forty-two is right. the exact date. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. So, so, uh, so Charles dies. Uh, uh, what's his name's in town to? They go to Henry. Henry's in town to you know get his inheritance. Right. Uh, but the circum but they want to investigate the circumstances of the death of Charles, which. Seems to hint towards some monstrous hound. Right. Uh, and uh, so Dr. Mortimer takes, goes out to the mansion with... 
Well, well no, there's, so there's, there's some adventure in London before they go out to the... the yes, uh, good. Right. So mm -hmm. after, after Dr. Mortimer comes and consults with Holmes, uh, the, the couple things happened. Sir Henry's um, boots get stolen, which... One, one boot from two different pairs. Yes, one boot from two different pairs, which in the context of a story called The Hound of the Baskervilles actually, you know, should be foreshadowing something, you uh, know, because you'd steal a boot to get the scent of the person wearing right. them, right? So It does, yeah, but I didn't get it. Really? No, okay. I didn't get it. I, <laughs> All right. I didn't get it. So, um... Well, it's, Especially I mean, I, when it was the new boot that we, he'd never worn, and all of a sudden that is returned, and the old boot's taken. But that, that right. makes it even all the more right. obvious, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so, um, so that, that happens, and then he gets followed, uh, Sir Henry is followed, and he gets this mysterious message with a bunch of letters, a bunch of words cut out from a newspaper that somebody's trying to warn him, you know, by no means come out here. Um, and then he's followed by some mysterious guy in a disguised black beard and a, and a in a carriage. Um, so there's a bunch of adventure in London, but then um, Holmes claims to be too busy and sends Watson to go with Sir Henry back to Baskerville Manor in uh, Devonshire. Is that the, the area? Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So they get out there. The uh, Let's go run through the cast of characters. You've got the caretakers, who the Stapletons. Mm-mm. Oh, the, yeah, there's the, there's the caretakers and there's the stable. Right. So who's, what are the caretakers? Barrymore's. Barrymore's, right. Barrymore's, right. So are they, which have been, and they've also been like generations associated with Yeah, this it's kind manner. of funny. You have, you have the generation of the lords and the generation uh, of the servants, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. They just right. grow up together and mm -hmm. I guess yeah, yeah. keep on living that way. Yeah. Right, right. So uh, husband and wife, Barrymore's, they're the staple is the, uh, the butterfly guy. Right. Lepidopterist, yes. Ah, thank and you. And that's Stapleton. <laughs> yes, Stapleton. And that's the brother of the sister, right? Uh, so Stapleton has a person living with him that he calls his sister. Sister, right? Yeah, yes, right. to begin right. with. Right. And then uh, who, who, who else do we meet out there on the... Uh... There's the old cranky lawyer. Um, <laughs> I love him. Laughman. Uh, uh, Franklin. Frank, Frank Franklin. Franklin. Yeah. Yeah. Who, no. The, what, the, the guy who just sues everybody for no particular just reason. For oh, fun. It's his hobby. It's just, <laughs> it's it's just, just hobby a, to sue people. He doesn't right? really have anything. He's just trying to. He's just trying to. Yeah. He's trying yeah. To be and, right. And he's not winning. He's not winning any money on it. In fact, he's losing all of his money on it. He's paying for lawyer fees to stop things. But it's not like he's he's suing somebody to, for some yeah. recompense. So, he just. Just doing it because he wants to. He's just a fun He character. wants people to respect respect the law. So then, the only other <laughs> characters you have out there is you have Mortimer, the doctor who came to consult right. Holmes in the first place, and then you've got the Doctor Franklin's the, daughter, and you've Laura got the, Lyons, right? But you've also got the escaped convict who's out on the moor, right? Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, so, right. That, so I that guess person. that's that is the first. So once uh, uh, Doyle lays the land. That's the first character that he sort of puts out there is maybe it's this maybe it's the dangerous escape convict. Well, actually, I think it fir he first lays some suspicion on Barrymore because the guy who mm -hmm. followed them around in in London beard? had a big black beard, and Barrymore also has a big black right. beard. Right? Maybe so, he's got something to gain. Right. And then there were the mysterious things going on in the house with Barrymore's wife. Um, crying at night and Barrymore sneaking around with the secret, some secret thing that he's doing. Spook, yeah, sneaking around to one particular window with a candle. Right. Right. Right, which you find out. He's, it turns he's out that signaling the, somebody, the escape right. convict is uh, Mrs. Barrymore's brother. Mm -hmm. And the, all they're, what they're doing, so this is very suspicious behavior, 
uh, is him just saying, I've left you some food at our designated place right. while he gets, before he takes off to leave the country. Right. Uh, so that's very, that's very interesting, right? So you've got to, because people are very secretive. He's like, he doesn't want to reveal that that's what he's doing. So you're like, well, what, I, what, is he, what does this guy have to hide? Everybody seems to have something to hide. Yeah. But, but mm-hmm. that just sets up the tension of, well, maybe they have something to do with this death that they're... But they all seem to have be hiding or sur- sort of sneaking around Except for other for motives. Henry. Except for Sir Henry. Sir Henry is the most direct guy. Yeah. Like, whenever something comes up, he just, like, wants to answer it right then and there. Yeah. He just calls in Barrymore and asks him straightforward, you know, yeah. did you do this? You know? Um, Sir Henry is very straightforward and direct in contrast to a lot of the other things that are kind of sneaky. Now, now, so, so they're right. So, of course, uh, you know, there, there's this idea of this supernatural, fire-breathing, red-eyed hound, right? Is some old wives, some old tale right. that's been left over from generations of the Baskervilles. Obviously, this is not a real thing. Mm-hmm. But they keep laying the, you know, the the big footprints, right? The howls in the Right, right. This mysterious noise that Doctor that uh, that Stapleton tries to say is the cry of the bittern, or something, which is a weird bird. Uh, and, you know, right. and everybody yeah. knows that he's lying, but that's that's what he's. But he's but nobody can replace it with anything else. Right. Uh, you're saying Sherlock Holmes seems to be, even though even though he's very logical, uh, he's not having it. He's not having it. Right. He's not having anything to do with this. So so Mort- Mortimer, when he first comes and tells him the whole story tries to play up the supernatural character of the of the hound and and uh, Holmes kind of mocks him which is an interesting thing because Sir Arthur Conan Doyle was a spiritualist and believed in in uh, seances and spent a lot of his time and money on all this kind of nonsense yeah and you then, think he might have given some of those characteristics to his character yeah, but no but Holmes is like no 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 forget it we're not having anything yeah, to do yeah. with that and Watson equally so right yes mm-hmm. yes although Holmes it's interesting that Holmes always you always get the perspective that Holmes believes in God and believes in the supernatural, but it's like, that has nothing to do with my business. My business is, you know, <laughs> oh, th- things that leave footprints and uh, <laughs> and fingerprints, you know. That's that's Holmes's business, and he just rejects all that kind of stuff as, a, as an explanation out of hand, right. which, is, so, which is very interesting. All right, so you've got the convict lurking in, uh, in the moor, and then there's this other l- lurking mysterious man, out in the woods, hmm. a tall man who's definitely well, not that Watson sees when they go out. So, so when Barrymore was signaling, um, they they get the story that he was signaling the the convict. Right. So, and this this is an interesting. Point. I, I think we should talk a little bit in a minute about the character of of Holmes and Watson because Watson is a man of action, and Sir Henry is a man of action, right. and here they are, these two guys at night. Knowing that they're signaling to this this really nasty criminal who like was known for the ferocity of his crime and just like thought to be this really animalistic, horrible guy. So and and, and uh, uh, spooky hound sounds. Yes, right. right, right. And they decide at night to go out and go get him. <laughs> you know, That's Watson, Watson, and and Sir Henry are like. This is our duty. You know, we're going to protect the people. We're going to go get this guy. Right, right. So in the middle of the night, they go out to try to apprehend him. And they, they, they catch sight of him. They don't quite get him. But in the, in the adventure, they see 
some tall man up on top of a hill. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but 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 finish the story of what happens after they they, they, they go and chase the, the the fugitive. Right. And the fugitive is the one that is actually caught and killed by the hound. That comes a little later, but that's right. Yes, that's right. The fugitive because because when Sir Henry um, comes to be the lord of this manor, he decides he has to have proper attire. So he takes all of his old clothes and gives them to um, Barrymore, and Barrymore gives all of his old clothes to the convict. Which so when they see his crumpled body uh, later on, uh, yes, they think they think that it's Sir Henry. Right, but, Henry's clothes. Well, once and they're again, like, ah, they were. They, they were after him all along. Exactly. But once again, it all fits in. It fits in with the yeah. boots. Yep. You know, the idea that, that uh, the convict now had Sir Henry's smell on him because he had Sir Henry's clothes right. and his boots. Ch- it chased so him the, like off a cliff. Yeah, so the, the hound came after him, chased him off a cliff and killed him. Right. Yeah, yeah. No, I didn't, I didn't, I, 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 I didn't get the, the scent part. But, uh, yeah, all right. But we've got to finish up the story before. Okay, so then, so then, so after... They, Eventually, Holmes reveals himself that he has not been in London. He's he been is the tall, time. lurking he, guy. He's, a, he's always sneaky. I mean, and, and Holmes is a master of disguise, and he's usually dis, uh, and Watson had his people. feelings hurt a little bit. Yes. He's like, "What? You couldn't tell me what you're up to?" <laughs> yeah, and I, I want to get into that in a minute. So, so, um, so Holmes is actually on the scene, and he's been working around on the moors, watching things, and then eventually they come up with this plan to have Sir Henry put Sir Henry in a dangerous position so that Stapleton will think that he can safely go after him with the hound. And then it's uh, Lestrade and Watson they, and they, Holmes but are waiting. They don't, they don't know that his weapon is the hound. They just think that he wants to do harm to oh, I, th- I think they I think they knew that he was going to set, set oh, the hound. Oh, do you? All right. Because remember, they, they, uh, Holmes and Watson heard the... Um, Heard the hound and then saw the dead uh, convict. Yeah, and realized that he'd been chased by something, but they never got a chance to see it. So they didn't yeah, know I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't. At that point, I didn't get that Stapleton was some way in charge of the hound. Or... Oh, okay. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. So then, so then they lay in wait, and and it builds tension because they're waiting for Sir Henry to finally come out of the house of the Stapletons, and the the fog is starting to build. Yeah. So they yeah, can't, yeah, they can't very see. Tense. Yeah. Because they're like, if that that fog is fifty yards away, if it gets to Henry before we we're not we're going to lose sight of him. We're not going to be able to see him because I mean a thick fog. We're not you can't see something twenty him, right? feet away. Because that's right? their idea was we'll be here to protect you when the time comes. English right. fog. Yeah. Yeah. So then, so then eventually, Sir Henry comes out. The the hound is released on him, and there's this nasty scene where Sir Henry's running for his life. Uh, Lestrade, who's no coward falls on his face in fear. Um, right, and so Watson, even up to that point, and then right there, as they're describing the hound, the, the bit that you rose read to to start the show, uh, I'm going. There can't be this. What is this? It still feels like there's a supernatural element to it, which I know there can't be just based on what yeah. I know about the show. So, like, right. I mean, the book. So, what is going on? Yeah. So the the all the. What appears to be fire coming from his face yeah. is phosphorus. Right. He's the uh, Stapleton has come up with this concoction to put phosphorus on the dog. Right. So I guess I guess I guess everyone is aware of the Hound of the Baskervilles legend 
in that region. Right? Mm-hmm. It's not he, mm-hmm. he wasn't privy to some special information. I think you're right. right? That's the sense I got. Yeah. So he's go, he's trying to play into that mm-hmm. in order to do what? What does he have to gain from? <laughs> right. So that's an element that we haven't discussed. Turns out that Stapleton is actually the next heir. Right. He is a Baskerville. Yes. Well, I don't know if his uh, name is actually sorry. Baskerville. No, but, but he's, he's of the love. The he's in line. And Holmes figured it out by looking at the family portraits right. in the uh, exactly. in the Baskerville Manor. Like, no, that reminds me of <laughs> right. Yeah. The, the take away, butterfly take, guy. Take away the curly hair and the frilly clothes and, and uh, look he, what he looks he's like. He's a Baskerville. And he does because Charles didn't have any immediate heirs. He just, that's why they had to go to Henry, who was in, in, uh, in Canada. So after him, Stapleton knows. He'd be the next one. He'd be the next one. Or maybe maybe there's two or three in front of him and he'll just take them all out. But he's, <laughs> at some point, it'll get, it'll get to Stapleton if but he's, he's got it. But, he, but Stapleton is a cold blooded bastard because. Yeah. He befriends Sir Charles, Sir Charles and kills him. And he befriends Sir Henry and intends to kill him. Yeah, so and he's got his wife sucked into the yes. whole thing, who has led Sir Henry on to thinking that uh, they might have a little something going on. Right. Because so he he's uses, only his sister, but it's his encur- wife. He encourages his wife, in the character of being his sister, to... Start a relationship yeah, with Sir Henry. It's, yeah. it's so it's so bizarre that she would uh, you know be stuck in this position. It's really hard. She's the one who sent the warning letter to Sir right. Henry in, in London. Yeah, right. right. There's so right. many moving pieces. And all right, hold on. Finish the story before I do commentary. Okay. So so uh, <laughs> they finally they finally see the hound. They're scared by it initially, but then they they chase after it. They shoot the hound to death. Um, they go in pursuit of Stapleton. Stapleton runs out into the moor, falls into a mire, and and but dies. but right. But this doesn't come out of nowhere. This was also set up very early, where Stapleton was like, "You do not want to go in there. You yeah. have to know a very specific path, or you will never get out of there." Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. right. So it had already been set up yeah. that he had intimate knowledge of this area, which is where. The hound was kept and trained. That's right. why, right? And the, when they uh, go what, out he there, didn't, he didn't have he didn't have the hound in the property in his immediate area of his home. No, it was out, it was in, out this, in, in, a, in a tin mine out on, yes. the, on the moors. But you also see, even even in pursuing Stapleton out onto the moor in the fog, you know, in this dangerous environment, once again you see kind of the adventurous nature of of Holmes and Watson, which I thought. You know, I've watched, I've read all those stories many times, right. and I've watched a bunch of Sherlock Holmes movies, and the the more recent Sherlock Holmes movies, who's that actor in the Robert Downey, Robert Downey Jr. I thought that those movies brought out the kind of bold, adventurous character of both yeah, Holmes and I, Watson and I, better than the Basil Rathbone. That's stuff interesting, Brad, because yeah. I'm I'm a, I think of Basil Rathbone and mostly just. Sitting around with a smoking a pipe, exactly, and, and being very intellectual. And all that. Right, right. And Holmes is—that's not Holmes. He is the intellectual guy who sits around smoking the pipe and thinking about things. He's also an excellent boxer, an excellent stick fighter, and like will run into danger. Okay, <laughs> so okay. He's, he's How about some sword fighting. Yeah, he can handle a sword. I can't remember particularly right. about the sword, but but he is not some you know intellectual guy who sits around thinking. He is a man of action. Okay, and that and Watson is even more of a man of action. Big weed here. 
We love receiving comments from our listeners, and so if you have something to contribute, comment, disagree, we'd love to hear it. We can be reached at bigweedshow at gmail.com. Just called Pigweed, but Crow Hill will listen to So I'm coming at this as the guy reading his very first Sherlock Holmes. You've got the years of uh, 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 Mr. Longinus. How much Holmes you got in your background? I think the first time I read something was uh, half a dozen years ago, and it was okay. uh, half a dozen stories. All right, mm-hmm. all right. So. Yes, so, uh, so yeah, it was very fun. I thought... Uh, there was a lot of there was a lot of a lot of misdirection, but not in any cheesy, right. dishonest way. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. I thought you know some clues were laid out that were wrapped up later. That uh, yeah, the writing is just it's fun and it's you don't feel like like the writer is setting you up or deceiving you. It's just giving you some options. Uh, yeah, I just the, the way the way that it was constructed. Now is that is is so my question as a one time reader. Uh, is that fairly representative? There are a few things that are that are pretty representative in this story. One is that Holmes does not like to reveal his theories until he has the case all wrapped up. Even to Watson? Yeah, <laughs> even to Watson. And this is this is something I want. Right. I, I want to get yeah. both both you guys' reaction to this. Also, he, I think he sort of emotionally abuses Watson, uh, kind kind of regularly. You know, he he's not. He's not confiding in him. He treats him. He treats him like more like a servant than than like a friend. And it's it's kind of weird because in sometimes he shows remarkable affection and loyalty to Watson, and other times he seems to be treating him like a child or like like a servant. And it's it's kind of a weird relationship. Mm-hmm. And Watson seems sometimes seems like a dog that craves the the uh, attention and affection of Holmes. Um, so, so you see, that's one element of their character that comes out, is, is Watson always kind of craving the affection of Holmes, and Holmes treating him in a so this, sort so of superior here, here, manner. This is, this is page two, okay. right? They yeah. find, the, a guy leaves mm-hmm. behind a walking stick. Yes. And uh, Watson runs through his list of, okay, well, based on these initials, and based on these marks here, and based on this thing here... I would say that he's a country gentleman. So he runs down his whole thing, and, and Holmes is like, "Wow, that's uh, that's not too bad." Uh, has anything escaped? This is Watson speaking. Has anything escaped me? I asked with some self-importance. I trust there is nothing of consequence which I have overlooked. <laughs> and so he's saying, "Wow, Watson, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. You know, you've really got drawn a lot of information out of there." Yeah. I'm afraid, my dear Watson, that most of your conclusions were erroneous. <laughs> When I said when I said that you stimulated me, I meant to be frank that nothing in your fallacies I was occasionally guided towards the truth. Not that you were entirely wrong in this instance. The man is certainly a country practitioner, and he walks a good deal. So yeah, yes, exactly. He's like, wow, Watson, that's some really good thinking. Except you're wrong about everything. Right, for, for being a dope, two. for being a dope, you actually got a couple things right. I mean, it's, it's kind it's of like so, that. It's so condescending yeah. and yeah. and mean. And then the way that right, the way that he does, he doesn't, he doesn't trust him with his secret plan. Right. Uh, now, the other thing: are all the books? Is Watson the first person teller of all the stories? Yes. Well, no. There's there's one. I can think of one where Holmes actually actually tells the story. Most of them are Watson. Uh, yeah, almost okay. all of them are Watson. Okay. And, 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 you know, that also just shows the affection that Watson has towards Holmes. Yeah. And 
I think at the same, you know, I I would take it to that 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 Watson puts up with Holmes because he sees that Holmes is a, is a genius, is a genius, yeah. and above and beyond other people's uh, intelligence. Right. And I feel, and he feels uh, very uh, grac- grateful to be around this quote unquote genius. Right. Right. I think so Holmes Holmes actually does have some very good character. He he is he is loyal. He mm-hmm. uh, you know he doesn't. Sometimes he actually breaks the law, but he always says that he's he's breaking the law because he's following a higher law, right? So, but he has he has some amazing qualities, and Watson always looks up to him. But there is this somewhat sick undercurrent in there of the way Holmes is so superior and treats Watson in such a shabby way. Mm-hmm. Well, um, so that that's funny you should say that because the the my second observation was so here here I am about page twenty eight. Uh, uh, Holmes has been dead spot right about everything, mm-hmm. right? And I'm going, this could get a little tiresome <laughs> if the guy is never wrong. I swear, I, I, I had that thought less than, less than one page later. He's like, ah, he, he realizes what he should have done. And uh, yeah. uh, Watson says, I failed to see how you could have done more. And Sherlock says, on observing the cab, I should have instantly turned and walked in the other direction. I should then, at my leisure, have hired a second cab and followed the first at a respectful distance. Yeah. So, so as soon as I'm thinking, this is going to get exhausting if he's never wrong, he catches himself in the mistake that he made and, yeah. and you know, sort of humanizes yeah. him a little bit. And, uh, then, and then there's the three, the three threads that he follows that none of them turn out right. He's, uh-huh. so, back when they're in London, he's trying to figure out you know, who's, who's following him and who wrote the letter? Yeah. He, he does these does these three different ploys. One is to get a hold of the cabman. One is to look for the clippings of the newspaper. Send a fake message. Yeah, send uh, a fake. Right. So, and none of those turn out. Mm-hmm. So what yeah, yeah, it yeah. is it uh, Conan Doyle does a good job yeah. of preventing presenting Holmes as being this extraordinary thinker, extraordinary man of action, extraordinary actor, somebody who can put on disguises. Mm-hmm. He does all, but. He also shows him making big mistakes. Sometimes. Okay, yeah. And yeah I, I was glad. I was glad to see that. Yeah. Sometimes mm-hmm. his his client dies. Uh, at you know, Holmes did something wrong, and the mm-hmm. client dies. <laughs> That's happened in a couple stories. So um, he's not perfect. Yeah. But and and he makes some big blunders. But he's also like this just extraordinary. He's he's like this extraordinary gifted jerk. In some, in some ways. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe he's slightly on the autistic scale. Yeah, that BBC show on Holmes does a good job of portraying kind of that side of it. Cumberbatch. Yeah, in being in being just so incredibly mentally gifted, but like not kind of getting now now that the way Cumberbatch does it is he presents him as like not getting social cues and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, Holmes is also presented as being this like incredibly charming guy who can who can you know wear the right clothes and do all the right things in the right circumstances uh-huh. if it serves his need uh-huh. right now which is to solve a case right but yeah. it's never there's the, the the need is never to have personal friendships or... exactly his mind is so completely focused on being a good detective right that all those other things don't matter i, I like this even his friendship point. with watson yeah and well <laughs> yes in a way yeah. uh just in the in, in the structure of the book, as it's mm-hmm. going along, so sixty seven is, is just a little bit barely over halfway through the book. Right. Uh, I, that's, there's there there are three times where I have a thought, and the book answers the question within a few pages. So this is another time when I'm going. I'm thinking, 
all right, I'm starting to lose track of, of, of you know, what's all, all the evidence there. And then Watson says, uh, all right, consider the long sequence of incidents which have all pointed to some sinister influence which is working around us. There's the death of the last occupant of the hall, fulfilling exactly the conditions of the family legend. There are repeated reports of peasants, of a strange creature. Twice. So he kind of he kind of tells you where you are in the story. He's right. like, all right, yeah. so this is this is right. what we know so far, mm -hmm. and it helps catch the reader up to yes. all of these threads that you've been reading through. It's like, all right, you know, that the, the reader may be losing track of. So I mean, I don't know if that's part of the writing, yes, writing style or not. Just to to make sure it's that he's not making the reader work too hard. He'll remind you, you know, where we are in the story without seeming too obvious. Because most of these were published in magazines, right? Yes. And it was to a wide audience of, of uh, a wide spectrum of educations. It wasn't uh, to just a small group of folks. It was to everybody that was reading the popular magazines. Yeah, it's interesting. In, in a sense, Sir Conan Doyle is a great storyteller who's making Watson a great storyteller. Yes. Yeah, and, mm. and it's funny because he did it in a, in a couple of different ways. So in some ways it was... He said, I'm going to share with you the letter that I wrote to Sherlock Holmes. Then the next one, he's like, uh, I'm just going to re re uh, share with you some thoughts I have, but fortunately I've written them into my diary, and here are some excerpts from my diary. Right, so there are yeah. different ways that he is mm -hmm. sharing the, the, the tale. Because otherwise it would just be boring if it was constantly his narrative. And, yeah. Yeah, right. Exactly. Including, so his... uh, you know... Uh, other people's letters, and yeah. yeah. So how much did uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle change the, or create the detective novel? Well, actually, supposedly Edgar Allan Poe created the detective novel. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then there's another, there's another one, uh, Wilkie Collins wrote uh, another detective novel. So, so uh, but, uh, when, did, when did Poe die? 1881. Oh, 50, okay. So, so, so he predates him by yeah, 50 years. Or so, so. so there, there were some examples of the classic detective and, novels. And there's before, a, there's so. a great French detective, Pierrot. Yeah, Poirot. Poirot. Yeah. Is that or is that around this time or is that? Uh, I, I honestly don't know. Okay. Yeah, but but I think Conan Doyle kind of perfected the art. Uh -huh. I mean, there were examples before him, but Conan Doyle really perfected it. So he polished it. Yes. Yeah. Right. So Holmes gets semi-attacked, semi right? They, I mean, not, not, not Holmes, Sir Henry. Uh, the hound is upon him when they shoot him, you know what I mean? It's yeah. a very traumatic situation. Yes. He, didn't, he didn't tear his throat out, but it was so... Uh, Lestrade, the London policeman, thrust his brandy flax between the baronet's teeth. I tell teeth. you, that's, I tell you, you tell I, me I, that? I've told, I've told you that brandy. Came, and it came, up, it came up also with uh, Laura Lyons in some case where she was... You know, swooning or something like that, yeah. and the brandy comes out. Brand the brandy comes out. I, in, 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 in Sir Collins, Arthur oh, Conan mind, brandy. it's like brandy is the cure all. If you've got a problem, drink some brandy. Uh, yeah. Twisted my ankle. It's all right. I've got a flask got a here. Flask. For <laughs> if you if you faint, just we're gonna pour some brandy down your throat. You'll be okay. It's like everybody had to carry around brandy so they could cure that kind of problem. Oh, uh, that's fantastic. So, what was your reaction since you've never read a Sherlock yeah. Holmes story before? What was your reaction to the character of Holmes and Watson and their friendship? Yeah, well, we discussed some of that because uh, I, I didn't know what to expect. First, that it's first person. You know, clearly he's going to be his subordinate, but I didn't realize that he was actually carrying the story mm -hmm. 
In a way, Sherlock Holmes was sort of a secondary character yes. who came into... That, that's, that's rare. Okay, um, so that's in a way that this one is not representative. Yeah. Okay, and you're saying, so it's not representative in that and, and in its location. You're saying it's not often in... It usually takes place in London? Mm -hmm. Right, yeah, most of the stories are in London. There are some, like, there are some that take place in North America. Um, uh, but... The Valley of Fear. Exactly, yeah. yeah. But most of them take place in London, and most of them, Watson doesn't play such a critical role, where Watson is kind of the main character. Uh -huh. Yeah, that's the interesting piece of it, because Sherlock's was absent for, what, 50, yeah. 60% of the story? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Right, and then he just, and then you, you kind of forget about him almost, you know, like, right? Until, which is great, because you kind of forget about him, and then he is the man yes. lurking in the moor. Yes, and you realize that He's way ahead of everybody else. You, you think you think your buildings like Watson yeah. is actually making some progress and yes. doing some things, and then Sherlock comes along and you're like, oh, Watson didn't know <laughs> the half of it. You know, yeah. Sherlock has been doing all this other stuff behind the scenes. He already knows this. He already knows that. Mm -hmm. It's um, he is he is always kind of the the genius who's been figuring things out. Yeah, and, I, and I, I, again, I don't feel like I, I walked away feeling like I, I was either. Deceived, you know, like a like a director in a movie can set you up, right? And you're like, yeah, yeah that was just a setup so you could sell this other point. That yeah. doesn't, or or that uh, uh, that didn't really make sense. Where'd that guy come from? Mm -hmm. Oh, he came from because he was already introduced in the earlier part of the story, and yeah. he already had a motive. Yeah, I yeah. thought that was, so there, I thought, there were a lot of very ways, tight. Yes, there were a lot of ways tight, yeah. that there were a lot of ways that he foreshadowed, like the stealing of the boot foreshadows that there really is a dog. You're trying to get the scent. That, right. The, the the relationship that uh, Stapleton had with his so-called sister yeah. was so weird that it you was that correct. you could that you could have that you could have anticipated something right? some, something was mm -hmm. different. It weren't really something brother and sister. Yeah, yeah, they're like, why is he? You know, well, you know, he would be so lonely without her. Maybe right. that's it. Yeah. So even other people are like, that's kind of weird. And with the Barrymores, it was it was so much that you know it was almost too obvious for it to, for, for that string to lead to the truth. Yeah, in in, in a way. So, so, yes, he foreshadows things well enough that yeah. you don't feel like you've been duped, but he hides enough things to yeah. make it a fun story. So, great, yeah. yeah. All so right, lots of fun. It's, 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 it's interesting, too. I mean, he was writing at the same time as Victor Hugo and H.G. And Wells, and it was just this huge creativity, like in popular fiction. Tarzan, uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs, were about the same time. Right. So, it's just really an uh, so exciting if, time. So, if you have... Um, if you have that, that what's the service where you get books, audio, the audio books? Uh -huh. What's the Audible? Service? Audible. If you get Audible, um, there's a great audio rendition of the entire Holmes collection on there, done by um, the guy who plays Jeeves. Um, who's the actor who plays Jeeves in Worcester and Jeeves? Don't know. Okay. Well, he does an absolutely fantastic job. Of narrating the whole thing, and I, just right. uh, just a few months, I listened to, uh, a few months ago. I listened to the whole Sherlock Holmes canon ah. by uh, by that guy. So uh, I think it's uh, yeah. I would say yep. If, if as a as I was first introduced to the Sherlock Holmes series through Hounds of the Baskerville, if you have uh, not read any, pretty good place to start. It is. It is. Yeah. It's fun. All right, so we're done with that. How about a man of the week? Let's do a man of the week. Yeah. 
Now, this isn't going to be a man. Well, once, once that's again. how we do it. I know. Sometimes, <laughs> it's, sometimes it's not a man. But um, the, the Anacostia Green Boat Program okay. has put together a bunch of, a bunch of canoes yeah. that you can take out on the Anacostia River, which is right down you know, from us, down yep. by D.C. And you can, one's right by uh, old RFK Stadium. That's right. And mm-hmm. you can you can use them for free for free as long as you pick up some trash. Wait a minute. I mean, I, I why like not? this. I know because the Anacostia River has historically been kind of dirty. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. We went fishing, and uh, only thing I caught was some underwear. So that was unpleasant. <laughs> <laughs> right. So so the idea here is uh, fine. You can bar the boat, and you can go have a paddle, but you need to pick up some trash. And See, apparently this is, the this Swedish is have, it is, and the Swedish apparently have a. A similar program where they they call it plogging, or plogging is where you go jogging and picking up trash at the same time. Okay. So the, these guys are saying, well, this might be plyacking. <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> I like or it. Plenuing. Plenuing. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So so the idea is you get the boat for free, go out and have a good time, but pick up some trash and do some good. I, what a what a good I idea. Think, yeah, I, I think cool. it, it encourages. Uh, civic responsibility. I think right now, oh my gosh, I'm going to turn this into politics, aren't I? But uh, we've turned civic. There's there is no civic duty. It's yeah. the government's responsibility to take care of people, rather than the the, the, the people's responsibility to you know form a good government. Right. And so I think this is a way to say, hey, uh, get outside, get outside. have fun, do a and have a good day, but. You know, do something helpful that do makes the world helpful. better make for everybody right. else. Right. So, yeah. so the next time that you come down, come down the river, it'll be a little bit cleaner. Right. Do the help of you and uh, your fellow plyackers or That's, whatever. We they should, are there. Baltimore should steal this idea for the uh, middle branch, like uh, west of the uh, Hanover Street Bridge. Right. So in that area. Right. Yeah. And then take out plus, a canoe. Plus, and plus, bring in back a way, a bag of trash. it uh, creates like a little bit of a scavenger hunt, like while you're right. right. I mean. There's always so much paddling you can, you paddling and looking around you can do if they give you like a little project. Yeah. So that yeah. seems kind of fun. Sure. Yeah. I, I think it's a fantastic idea and I hope people so pick up So you who are, who are the who are the people? Is this, this them here? The is it the the director of the The DC uh, DC is launching a green boats program. So it's in in DC. Right, but is the DC, DC Depart- Department of Energy and Environment. Okay. Oh. You DC Department of Energy and Environment. You are our man of the week. Well done. Good idea. Please remember to subscribe to Beer in Conversation with Pigweed and Crow Hill and leave us a nice review wherever you get your podcasts.